Hello everyone, my name is Sass and I'm here with Zarita today, my very special guest, here to ask some interview questions. How are you going, Zarita? I'm good, thanks for having me, Sass. How are you? I'm really good, thank you for asking. Let's get stuck straight into it, shall we? My first question for you is, how would you define yourself as an artist? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think my goal as an artist has always been, I read this saying like a long time ago <laughs> where we read to know we're not alone and we read to, you know, feel that our experiences are shared and that other people are going through something that we've been through and, you know, sort of have that human connection. And I read that years ago and it always resonated with me and I was like, I think I write for the same experience. I write to share my experience and to also feel like I'm not alone once I put it down on paper. And the beautiful thing is putting it down on paper, putting it into song and then hearing someone else's experience and saying, oh, I've, I've felt that way before. I, I feel seen by what you're saying. And I know that I felt seen from reading other people's things, listening to other people's songs. So I think when I think about how I define my artistry, it's that piece of human connection. I, I, I write to know that I'm not alone to help other people feel not alone yes. and just, yeah, really have that human connection. That's always been my favourite part about mm. performing live, having people come up to me at a show afterwards and saying, um, hey, I was going through a hard time and you were just talking about yours on stage and I felt really, you know, I felt that resonated with me. And so, yeah, when I think about my artistry, I, that's a really big part of what I want to do and achieve with it. And so, yeah, that's that's my driving force. <laughs> that's so beautiful. That's so lovely. That's great. I've had no artists say anything like that yet, so that's so beautiful. Um, and then in regards to your sort of style and identity, how would you define that? Oh, that's another good question. I think <laughs> it's actually something that I've sort of struggled with um, recently, not recently, but in the in the last few years. It's been almost four years of Sarita mm -hmm. now, which is crazy. That's crazy. And I think in the beginning, you know, I was sort of, I think I grappled with the fact that as an electronic artist, even dabbling in R&B, now having fun doing trap and drum yes. and bass music yeah. as well, I sort of feel this pressure of, you know, you need to look cool, you need to look mysterious and sexy and have you this You do look all those things. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I, and I sort of think I kind of started to hide behind that a bit and I was like, ah. oh, just be just be cool, have this facade, don't, don't give too much away, mm. which is absolutely at odds with who I am as a person and what my initial driving force was with music in the first place. I mm. write to connect with people. So if I'm trying to have this too cool facade, I'm creating a barrier for them to connect with me and for me to connect with myself and my actual purpose for this and, yes. and to connect with other people back. Yeah. So I really felt this um, divergence between who I wanted to be, what I was trying to be, what my music style was, what the expectations of the industry and the genre were. And I kind of had to go on this journey of as well self-acceptance of just hey, no, you are an open book and I am a person about connection, human connection in my personal life and in my all my experiences have been, you know, that's the best part about human existence, yeah. I think. And why would I deprive my artistry of that? So in terms of how my branding sits and everything, I think I've also learned it can be both. Like I can mm. be 
fun and cool and sexy and, you know, have fun on stage with that and dancing and everything. But I can also be um, serious about my experience. And I think there's, I had this weird narrative I was feeding myself that people, you have to be both. You have to be one or the other. You can't be both. Mm. And what kind of, in what world? This narrative, yeah, was I trying to feed myself there? Yeah. There is people who love drone base that love hiking. There is people who love R&B that work corporate jobs. There are people <laughs> who like going out to the clubs but also like exercising to house music. Like totally. there is no, everyone is, everyone is both. So why am I trying to fit myself into a, a narrative mm-hmm. of one? Yeah, humans are complex and layered and you can't define them or put them into a box. And I think it's wonderful that you have an artist identity that links so heavily to your sense of self and who you are as a person and you're not trying to hide behind that anymore. That sounds amazing. And it must have been so weird trying to grapple with, oh, is this me or is this Sarita or in which ways are we the same or are we entirely the same? Um, I think that's amazing. That's such a great story. And yeah, how do you yeah convey yourself to be confident and cool and sexy, but also convey yourself to be true and authentic um, in terms of being an electro pop, drum and bass, ethereal R and B artist? Like all of these different genres, how does that convey and translate? Um, that's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Uh, yeah, and, and I think it, it it's still a journey. It's yes. still something that I'm working at and trying to um, understand and work out what that balance is. I think a, a big part of it is, yeah, just that acceptance that I can mm-hmm. be both and also just knowing what the ratio is. Like, yeah. cool, I can post a, a sexy selfie or something, which mm-hmm. is awesome, and, and power to power to women, power to us to Woo. do that and everything. Yeah. But at the same time, if that's 100% of my content, mm-hmm. then I'm going to feel like I'm being inauthentic. Yeah. So it's also just knowing what the ratio and the balance is. Mm-hmm. But then if I also, you know, I think it's just knowing what feels right for me in the time so and also taking, my, taking the pressure off myself to not, um, not, Yes. Tried to, I kind of had to stop thinking about it too much to actually action it properly because yeah. when I was thinking about it too much, I felt too overwhelmed and consumed <laughs> sure. and I couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you never want to limit yourself. Um, why would you? That's really interesting to talk about and it sort of brought me to a question that I was going to get into a little bit later, but I guess I'll, I'll get into it now while it's at the forefront of this discussion. Do you ever feel pressure to make a certain kind of music that may be trendy or make it with a commercial audience in mind because you seem to be someone who's so good at being authentic and true to yourself. How do you find a balance? Um, do you purely make music that you enjoy for yourself or what What do you do with that process? Yeah, I think for me it's I love a lot of genres mm. and I enjoy writing and experimenting with different yeah, different types of genres. Sometimes like R&B, yeah. jazzy kind of stuff is just such a fun type of expression and to sing. And again, that can be a really sensual experience. But then mm-hmm. I've also really enjoyed playing with rhythms in house music and drum and bass and that sort of scene. And yes. it's a way of playing with rhythm and tempo that I've never really experimented with before. Yeah. I actually started in acoustic folk music. So right all about the lyrics it was all mm-hmm. about the storytelling and um I mean I studied creative writing at uni so it all made there sense there we go I love yes okay fabulous 
Yeah, so it all kind of made sense, but I think in terms of trying to fit into a specific genre and, and think commercially, I think my, again, my goal is always, I just want to make music that I enjoy and that mm-hmm. I'm proud of. Yeah. And if I'm proud of it, then I've succeeded. And if it's, I'm proud of it, but it's a bit weird or left of field, but I can, you know, own that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. That's all I can do. Yeah. So I've really enjoyed performing live recently yes. and understanding audience engagement better and knowing the importance of having parts of your song that they can latch onto and sing back to you, the part that. that's going to get stuck in their head, mm-hmm. the part that when I'm live on stage, I'll be like, I'm going to sing this, you guys sing this. And it's easy for them to catch on to the first time they've heard the song, the first time they're seeing me live. Yeah. And especially doing some shows interstate and in New Zealand recently, just knowing the importance of when I'm doing it in front of a crowd that doesn't know me, mm-hmm. still having a catchphrase or a word or something that they can latch on to. And remember. I, and remember, he's so cool. And, like, they've never heard me before, but they're singing my song back to me. Yes. The second chorus is – so now I'm thinking about that when I'm writing. Right. Not – like, I don't really think about that from – I don't know if that makes it commercial perspective, but for me it's from mm-hmm. a perspective of – Trying that, to Again, engagement, human connection, interaction mm. in person. So, yeah. That's so awesome. That's beautiful. That answers the question perfectly because it's not for – yeah, it's not for commercial in that sense then. It's all about um, trying to connect through your music to your fans, which is totally authentic and true to self, yeah, because that's your whole um, driving force. So that really links back quite neatly. Let's yeah. get into, um, as you were saying, because you were speaking about how you did creative writing in university and everything, back to talking about that kind of thing um what is the story behind you as an artist how did you know that you wanted to make music a career path were you supported in your endeavors all the all that good stuff I have always been the type of person that when I was a little kid I wanted to be an artist or a singer or an actor Mm -hmm. so I wanted to be a painter a singer or an actor just creative soul from a very young age um one of my first memories of where outwardly I could see that singing was an important thing for me was my mum came and watched me at like a school perform as it wasn't even a school performance it was like went to a catholic school so she came to like a mass and I was just singing in the front row all of the songs and she said you couldn't stop singing and your ponytail was just um bopping side to side you were so into all of the songs and like even I remember going to church with her when we were I couldn't even read yet. So she would, the song would play and she would whisper in my ear what the next line would be so that I could sing it back in that setting. So I think I've always loved singing. I remember writing like songs when I was eight years old and like getting Mm -hmm. on the trampoline and after school and just writing (laughs) songs, making them up by myself. And then when I was 12, my parents bought me a guitar and I started learning to play guitar and then started getting more into songwriting and using that as a form of expression and just a way of understanding my world around me just to be able to write it down. Yes. And, yeah, I've just always loved it. I think probably when I was 16, I was like, yeah, I really want to do this. And so I started performing at, um, yeah, pubs and wineries, background Mm. music, open mics. I'd go to open mics every week when I was 18, (laughs) do the acoustic folk stuff. And then that it slowly just transitioned. I uh, was in an electronic duo for a couple of years in uni. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. And then that was awesome and a great experience. And then I kind of decided, I think I want to do a solo, yes. solo project. And then I decided to do Zarita. And mm. 
it's been four years of Zarita and I think each I just feel like I keep growing into it and understanding sure. where I want to be and writing music that I am more proud of now than ever and it's also mm. crazy because I wouldn't have thought I would be writing in this genre. <laughs> if that has shown past me the music I'm making now I wouldn't I'd be like, yeah. I wouldn't like it. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, how have you transformed into the music that you make now um, and ask you if your taste and style has changed? And yes, of course. Massively. I was listening to this <laughs> song where my friend Balaram um, did a remix of a song mm-hmm. of mine like four, it must have been like five years ago now. And he did a drop in the chorus for the remix Mm. and I was like whoa this is hectic this is insane this is too electronic for me like (laughs) I get the style but it's different (laughs) and I listened back to it today and Mm. I I mean not today like the other day and I was like oh my god I can't believe I thought this was so hectic like (laughs) now it's just what my songs would sound like got it the whole thing like and that that would not be a drop like that would just be the verse that's chill (laughs) <laughs> that's so funny I love that this sort of evolution of um yeah. of it all I did want to ask you about um being a solo artist and then how that sort of influences your perceptions of the industry and entering the industry especially um the Melbourne music scene how have you found navigating that I think I've always been of the belief and something I learned with my duo project was mm-hmm. the importance of having a team around you yes and even though Zarita is a solo project and outwardly it looks like okay it's just, just me, me yeah it's not it, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I've been able to build such an amazing team behind me That's so awesome. I've got a couple of producers that I work with in Melbourne I go to their studios every week yeah it feels so collaborative because they know exactly where I'm going with my artistry they know where I've been Mm -hmm. they know where I want to go and they're as much as invested in the project as what I am so I'm working on an EP at the moment (gasps) yeah tell you a bit more about excellent the yeah the producers I'm working with they get the vision they're Mm -hmm. they're they're just so pumped for it and they're so on board and have the same passion as what I have about the project which is just beautiful so it doesn't feel isolating because we're all in that together and then I've got like a photographer that always does my Melbourne Mm. shows and a graphic designer who's done my um designs from day one and she's um uh, she's the girlfriend of one of the producers Ah, so is with Cropley who's my producer and Caleb from Banter is uh, another producer that I work with and Caleb also does my live show production Mm -hmm. so it's just and we're all mates and we all hang out and go to the same parties and so it's just this beautiful um collaborative energy and I'm really grateful that's amazing yeah so really connected with then other people in the Melbourne music scene that help you and support you to where you are that's amazing and collaborate with absolutely so I'm I'm really grateful that I've got that and I think we always talk about it you know like Mm -hmm. when one of us does well everyone does well and and the idea is that we we stay on this journey together and then you know we just keep lifting up and building up together so bouncing off each other that's so awesome that's excellent and you sort of touched on I don't know how you keep doing this you keep touching on questions I'm going to bring up um (laughs) accidentally which I love I was going to ask all of your graphic design elements in your cover art and branding um and identity system are really cool I was going to ask if you had a graphic designer and um how do you sort of collaborate together in defining and refining your identity system because 
all of it really gives off that electro pop vibe. Um, yeah. How, what sort of is the balance between collaboration on that? Do you say this is what I want or do they just have this creative vision and control? Tell me about it. Well, um, again, my graphic designer, Kiara, mm-hmm. Kiara Graphics, plugging her right now. Her stuff's she amazing. Amazing. Yes. Um, she's so talented and the the way that her brain thinks about design is um, mm-hmm. such a cool thing to watch, especially when I have like a little idea and I send her like a sketch or I send her some ideas on a Pinterest board. She, mm. the way that she turns it into something that is cohesive and makes sense, but the detail that she'll go into, like my In Silence cover artwork with yes. Vanessa, she hand drew some of the stuff, then printed it out, then rescanned it back. She was doing all this crazy mm. stuff and I had no idea I was just getting this. <laughs> End product. So she's absolutely amazing. And she introduced me to Pinterest. Love it. <laughs> I wasn't using it before that, but that's changed my life. So normally what happens is I'll have a bit of an idea of what I want the song to look like. Yes. So I listen to the song and I know as we're writing it, sometimes I already kind of have an idea of mm-hmm. what I want the look to be because I want it to be that when you look at the artwork, it feels how the song would feel. Like you can look at it and be like, is that a rock song? Is that yes. a electronic song is that going to be a party song or is it going to be chill like I want it to have that vibe so I kind of have an idea that I put some ideas together on Pinterest Mm -hmm. she's like you have a lot of ideas here which one's your favorite (laughs) (laughs) And, and then we kind of go from there it's um it's sort of been one of the things recently I've kind of had to cut back on some budgeting mm. up at the moment. So, so hard in designs, Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, some of the designs I'm just doing myself mm-hmm. now, but still sort of working with her and keeping her in the loop and everything with it. That's amazing because, yeah, they all very much scream Sarita and you have this very clear, even though, yes, you're doing them to, tailoring them to each individual song and what that sort of sounds like. They have this very clear um, creative vision um, to all of them that very much suits your vibe and it it just works perfectly. It's great. So I love finding that out. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, my next sort of thing is uh, you've been very successful in your music career. We've seen that you've received play, praise from the likes of Triple J and Beat Magazine and you've been touring. Um are those sort of the highlight moments for you? And then how have you found expanding beyond the Melbourne scene? That's so kind of you to say. I think we're always going to be our own worst critic. And yes. in my mind, I'm like, I haven't done enough. Like I know, you know, I know, I know I'm feeling um, good with where I'm at, but I always want to be doing more. I think always good the, to have goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Anyone is going to have that, but in terms of expanding out from the Melbourne scene, it's been really cool. Like going up to Brisbane a few times recently and doing some shows up there has been awesome because they're all about drum and bass up yeah. there. They've got a really cool community trying to, um, you know, build those relationships and connections with the guys up there has been awesome. Mm-hmm. And I suppose, again, it all just comes back to like human connection. And yeah. I think... I think I'm learning that is a strength of mine. I think I can build good relationships with people easily. Yes. And I think that comes from being genuine and authentic. You are. And you're so personable, yeah. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, and just being like, hey, that's that's a strength of mine. I can maximise that. And I can, you know, it's, it 
feels effortless for me to go up to a place like Brisbane and and I know like one or two people but let's get to know some more people up there and just again build those relationships and just spend time in the studio and getting to know people and you know if we have a studio session I'm always of the mindset like let's spend the first couple of hours just vibing getting to know each other catching up before we jump into writing a song together because that's how I'm going to feel more comfortable yes, I'm going to yeah. write a better product like that yeah and the same in New Zealand so it's been yeah it's been a great experience and something I just want to do more of yeah so there's a few other places I want to go to and now I'm like, oh, I've got, you know, New Zealand and Brisbane feel comfy to mm-hmm. me, but I'm also like, no, you need to go That's to the challenge. places that you're intimidated by too. So just yes. time to branch out. That's awesome. I love that. Your live performances all look so great with the lights and everything. And yeah, obviously you've got a, a great photographer, as you mentioned before. It definitely suits your vibe and it seems as though you know how to command an audience. Um, I was going to ask you about, yeah, how you find performing live do people respond quite well to it? Um, do you get really into the vibe? And then also, how has it been um, re-entering the space post-COVID? Obviously, you went through lockdown and all as well. We see that in some of the lyrics to one of your songs. Um, <laughs> so, like, how has coming out of that allowed you to grow and how has re-entering the space afterwards? It's funny because Zarita started and I had a big live show planned as my first Zarita live show. Got it, yeah. Right when COVID kicked off. Yes. And okay. it was at that point, I don't know if you remember when people, it was like ethically whether people were going ahead with their events or not. Oh, yes, yeah. It wasn't, you weren't dictated not to go anywhere. You weren't dictated to cancel weddings and shows and stuff mm-hmm. but it was more whether you like it felt taboo consciously yeah yeah exactly so I was in that time frame and I decided I was like no nah, I think it's too risky mm-hmm. it's not the right message if my if my messaging and my whole persona and everything I want to be and stand for is about looking after each other and caring for people yes I yeah. can't go ahead with this event when there's this weird virus that we don't know what's going on true you don't know who's who could be um, immunity compromised mm-hmm. like how can I in good conscience go ahead with this big event so we cancelled it and it was right before official lockdown started Got so it. I never really had a beginning sorry you never really had a pre moments yeah exactly so I didn't I mean I'd obviously done heaps of live shows before with mm-hmm. my other projects yes but Sarita just didn't get her first debut show for a while mm-hmm. and honestly lockdown was fine like lockdown was actually a really great experience for me because <laughs> I wasn't working um I was focusing 100% on music that's great I had just moved out of home into this gorgeous share house mm-hmm. um with the most amazing community and group of people mm-hmm. and I was getting to live my creative life for a solid three four months in lockdown and I was still like I just knew this time frame was going to be a short time frame so I needed I wanted to maximize that opportunity so I was still getting up at like 6 30 every day <laughs> jumping on my wow. computer doing all my admin stuff preparing po- you know, um, artwork and mm. getting back to emails and doing social media and then I'd have lunch and then I'd write songs for the rest of the afternoon wow. and then I'd hang out with my housemates and yeah. it was the most simple and beautiful way of living so I That's had a good. really good experience of COVID and then mm. coming back out obviously everyone had their own social anxiety and all that kind of stuff getting back into it but I think by the time I came out I was ready for the live show 
performances. That's so great, um, yeah. And and it's just been fun getting back into the practice of it. And every show, I feel like I've just been learning more about what my performance style it is. Yeah. Not, yeah. So I suppose what my performance style is, but having really specific goals at each mm-hmm. one. Um, this didn't, you know, th- we did a good show here, but this part didn't go so well. Okay, for the next show, I really want to focus on this part of it, he- audience engagement, having stuff for them to sing back to me, um, having stories to tell but make it curated, like yes. all those kind of stuff. Oh, I told some stories this time, but they were too long. I kind of lost them. How can I reshape those to say my what I want to say more succinctly? Like, yes. That's yeah. so amazing. So it really allowed you to allowed you to grow and gave you the time to get comfortable with your yourself and produce something that you were really proud of. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. prepare mentally, I guess, as well. That's awesome. Is there a song that you love performing live? Like, do you have a favourite one that always hits? <laughs> the one that always hits us mm-hmm. is a song called Spanner, yep. which I wrote with Cropley. Mm-hmm. And we haven't put it out yet, but I think it's going to come out soon. Okay, yeah. And that song goes hard at the live awesome. shows. Everywhere, any place I've done it, it's one that gets everyone pumping it was my first song that I did that was a bit more drum and bass Uh, it was really fun so I think we need to get that one out (laughs) you need to get that one out I'm desperate that sounds really fun yeah I love it um how do you sort of find the process of making music do you have any um musical influences or inspirations that impact that who do you like to listen to um at the moment Mm. I've just got this playlist that's a bit of like mainstream drum and bass oh, yeah. stuff that nice. I'm listening to and then I just let it kind of like the, the algorithm will just start spitting stuff out to me and I enjoy that. Yeah. But in, in terms of what actually influences me when I write is I'm again going back to like the way my brain works is yeah. often in words. And so mm. anytime I'm like having a conversation with someone, I'm reading a book, I'm listening to a TV show, um something happens around me Mm -hmm. and some words inspire me I just jot it down and write it in my notes on my phone so I just have all these random notes in my phone (laughs) thing random things people have said things I've heard on a show that inspired me things in a book that I thought was worded nicely something Mm. on a podcast that made me think differently and I'll put those down and just write them in my notes on my phone so then when I am in the studio or I go to write I've got an immediate stimulus, an immediate prompt that was specifically for me because yeah. I liked it yeah. and it inspired me. And then um, and then I can sort of go from there. Mm-hmm. So for me, the words are always really important. I probably, the problem oh, yeah. I sometimes have is that I use all these random tidbits that are in different, <laughs> that might not make sense together and I'll just yeah. throw them into a song. But <laughs> yeah, the words always inspire me. And then in the studio, once I've got a beat, if we then I can just... I'll just start writing from there. I've noticed like I'm not as good anymore as if it's just chords. I'm like mm. not as, I don't know why, I've just gone more with, I suppose it's just ha- habit and practice and what you become accustomed to. Yes. So now it's the words and the beat and, yep. you know, what was kind of happening around me. So do those lyrics sort of come first or do you just have like an idea of those little fragmented bits that are in your notes and then, uh, you make the sort of sounds and then you put them all together afterwards? It's it's kind of both. Like I know mm. some artists write the melody first and yeah. then write the lyrics. Yeah. But for me, it's 
I, I don't normally have a melody without having the lyrics. Got like it's it. kind of all at the same time because I think because my brain just works in that lyrical yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And what's the recording process like for you? Do you find it quite um, fun or therapeutic or stressful? Well, again, because it's people I've been working with for so long and so many years, we're all just such mm. good friends. So sometimes it's funny because we go there and we end up, you know, kicking back and chilling out and then it's like wait no we have to like get some work done we have to like yeah. finish this song or we have to record I think the other thing is a lot of songs can be really personal and I've written um uh a lot of I suppose yeah. we might, I don't know if we might need it you might need to put a trigger warning or something okay yeah before the podcast or something definitely but um or if you need to put one in here if you need to edit it I will do <laughs> but some of my songs, do they do touch on um, concepts like, like they, don't, they touch on my experiences mm-hmm. of depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. um, suicidal ideation, uh, domestic violence, abusive situations, toxic relationships. And that's my personal lived experience. Yeah. And it's also the experience that I've had working with and looking after friends through that oh yeah so when I'm in the studio and if I'm recording something like that that can it's hard for it not to be sometimes a bit triggering oh and I've had an experience last year where I wrote a song that was really quite personal for me and I still felt like I was living that narrative Mm. when I had to record it and that's the song power oh yeah and I was with Cropley in the studio that day and I was just sort of going through it and I just said, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do this today properly. And I didn't even have the words to express that everything that was going on in my mind. And, but because he is such a good friend of mine and because he is so, we have such a good relationship and he's so compassionate. He also was able to talk to me in a way that we, we actually still recorded that day. And even though I was struggling, it comes through in the recording Mm. in a really, it brought a vulnerability to the track that I'm really grateful it has in there yeah. because you can hear that I was in that place when we recorded it. And you, I wouldn't have been able to feel comfortable or to have that um, situation or dynamic if it wasn't someone that I was that close to. That's and true. I, I, and trusted and trusted. And so I think that's the real beauty, beautiful thing is that when you have these ongoing relationships with people, mm-hmm. you have that trust, you have that friendship, you have that safety and that's what makes the recording process so beautiful. So in a vulnerable moment like that, you have the the trust from the people around you and you have the safety. But at the same time, when when it's a really exciting and a beautiful yeah. song, we can come out and share that together. We have that um, we have that excitement together. Yeah. And and your friends, so you get excited together about it. Yeah. It's genuine. It's not it's not just a um, utilitarian exchange of goods it's we're both excited for how this product has come out that sounds like a really special shared experience uh that's really beautiful how do you find um them putting out those more vulnerable pieces to the public once once that next step comes um and then having to perform it live to everyone do you feel quite exposed or is that why you're able to feel so connected deeply to your audience I, I definitely still struggle with it and mm-hmm. I still I do feel exposed when sharing those songs. I mean, sure. I'm sure any artist would oh, feel yeah. that way. I think the the part of me that is always like 
go back in. It's important to talk about it. It's mm-hmm. important to actually share what these songs are about because for a long time I was releasing songs that touched on this content, but it was so wrapped up in uh, poetic, lyrical, ambiguous yeah. phrasing and I wasn't saying what it was about. So you mm-hmm. wouldn't even know what the concept of the song meant. Yeah. And I've learned the power of if I'm in a place where I can share that vulnerability and share that um, uh, share the depth behind the song and what it meant for me, you don't know who is watching or Who's listening or in the crowd that night who it might t- resonate with. Mm-hmm. And I know from my own experience, I've sat in talks or listened to podcasts or something and I can't even, couldn't even tell you, couldn't even remember where I, where, or I remember where I was, but couldn't remember who the speaker was, that they said something and that's something that stayed with me forever or helped me in that moment process mm-hmm. something that I was feeling. And I just think if I could just be that one piece of one lyric, one line, one emotion that I could share with someone that might make the experience a little lighter, why would I try to hide behind that? Like I should, again, going back to that human connection, like it's, it can be hard and it's vulnerable, but I'm just trying to remember, go back in. And I'm knowing how to do that in a way that's safe for me. Like yeah. I'm not, I can't put myself in danger to do that. And sometimes I know if I'm at the cusp of, I'm actually finding this too hard to talk about right now. I won't put my pressure on myself to do that. I just have to know when it's safe for myself to do it. For sure. That's so great. So do you find it healing at all, singing about these things? Is it almost like reclaiming or empowering or is it a little bit more like focused on the connection side or is it both? Uh, No, I definitely think it is healing. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, writing is therapeutic, cathartic and it's definitely got that notion of... um, ability to process it. And I think even when you've been through something really challenging, to be able to look back and say, hey, that was hard, but look mm-hmm. what I created from that. You know, yeah. that that's that's pretty cool. I have this physical, tangible time capsule. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a little piece of my diary or something that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sounds cool in a song. So, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you have a few different songs as we were talking about making sort of more diverse music so for example you have don't go which is like for me personally i find it to be like a little bit more slower and lighter and ethereal and then you come out with um ones like too much of a good thing which is like perhaps a little bit more haunting how are you finding um making this diverse music is there something that you enjoy more or do you like doing a a bit of everything yeah I think I, d- I definitely like doing a, a bit of it all. Experimental and, and playful. I, yeah, I never want to, I know some people might think you should or whatever, but I never want to box myself into mm-hmm. just one genre and like whatever's resonating with me at the time, I'll write in. I'm working on this EP at the moment and it's yeah. um, we're, we're going for a very similar theme for all of the songs and that's the first time I've done something like that before. So I'm pretty excited for in that setting, keeping it consistent, but then in the same token, I've got the EP, but then I've got a bunch of singles on the side that are yeah. more, um, more poppy songs, some yeah. more trap songs, yeah. some more drum and bass tracks. So just trying to work out the excuse me the way <laughs> that it makes sense to release each of them mm-hmm. in a cohesive way, but we're uh, balancing the fine line between not um, yeah, it's got to make sense in the way that you release it, but also mm-hmm. not trying to use that as a 
I don't want to only be thinking about that in the way I release. Yeah, totally. That's so cool. So can you can we get into a little bit about this EP? What can you share with me about it? Is it secretive? <laughs> no, it's a... I don't know. Hmm. How deep into the process are you with it? At the start stage is still or something's recorded? <laughs> it's... We've got about three, four songs wow. that yeah. I'm working on with it. Yeah that are already in train it's going to be about a four or five song ep mm-hmm. i think it's going to come out next year awesome it's a bilingual project wow which i am really excited to dive into yeah my heritage is italian i was gonna so ask yes i it's i don't know why i just sort of decided i wanted to start speaking and singing more in italian and using that nature but yep. still putting in english phrasing mm-hmm. So that people, both people can latch onto it. Yeah. I think people have a palette now to listen and absorb this kind of music. I agree, yeah. But I'm really, I'm really um, interested in not just having English and Italian. I want mm-hmm. it to be a real diverse range of languages. So I've mm-hmm. got a German rapper who's come onto one of the songs. Wow, so I'm we can expect some like collaboration. Therapy. Yeah, absolutely. So just a massive like celebration of diversity and culture and linguistics and mm-hmm. being able to intertwine those all together yeah um, it's, it's been a real challenge for my brain to like write oh, totally make it rhyme make it flow with the beat be in italian but be in english but <laughs> have all these things make it sound cool actually use the grammatically correct phrases <laughs> which i did like i get my mom to check, check and, like yeah. it's like cousins like is this right wow. <laughs> but it's it's been really fun so yeah. That's that's what I'm working on at the moment. Wow, you've really set yourself up a big challenge, but at least it sounds like it's going to pay off to be something wonderful. And it's so cool how you do these sort of things that are um, a little bit different and very true to yourself and your interests and just, like, something that you just want to do. It's awesome. Like, I love that. Is that sort of what your goals are to do from now onwards? What Have you got yourself some set career goals? Yeah, and what would they be? Well, def- I mean, in the immediate, it's mm-hmm. definitely finishing this EP, finishing getting that EP. out next year, making it a real collaboration. Mm-hmm. I think based on the fact that it's going to be, you know, a heavy focus of Italian as well, I really want to get to Italy and do some shows over yeah. there. They're just sort of working out how to arrange booking agents mm-hmm. in Italy, making sure I have the language to be able to back myself up. Oh, yeah. Organising all of that, um, it's a different market over there and then how do we also take that into you know maybe like the uk because if we're Mm -hmm. doing more drum and bass stuff that's definitely the scene for it it. so i think next year i definitely want to be doing um i want to go overseas just over to europe some some point somewhere for some shows and again building those connections and relationships with people i think the opportunity of the language as well Mm -hmm. in the songs will definitely hopefully create some more opportunities internationally and yeah that's kind of the where my head's at at the moment Mm -hmm. um I really would love to be playing festivals next year be that in Australia or overseas um but I suppose just really yeah working hard and continuing to do as much as I can to get my my music out into the masses (laughs) just keep grinding yeah (laughs) that sounds amazing that's fantastic 
We are a uni-based radio station, Radio Monash, um, and we get a lot of young student artists who listen to us and are involved with us as well. And because you're quite inspirational, do you have any sort of words of wisdom that you can share to maybe people who are small and just starting out, um, maybe are struggling to find themselves as an artist and their identity or to just navigate the industry? Any tips? I'd say you've got this. You've got this. And you've got this more than you realise you've got this. The mm-hmm. biggest barrier you're going to face is believing in yourself and acknowledging and having the audacity mm-hmm. to go ahead and do it. I think in Australia we have, you know, this tall poppy syndrome. We just mm-hmm. need to fuck that right off. <laughs> we need to get rid of that. You can say that if you need to edit it out of this. It's fine. Thing. Go for it. We need to, we, yeah, we just need to fuck that mentality off because mm-hmm. we need to have the audacity to go after what we want, go after our dreams, dream big. Like, you know, if it's creating a mood board, if it's coming up with what you want it to be, like don't don't think minute, think, think bigger and just mm-hmm. know that within yourself you've got this and, you know, you, you're going to be amazing. So, um um, you know, let's collaborate, message me. <laughs> we can catch up for coffee or studio sessions. Totally. But um, I don't think there's anything that I could tell you that isn't available on the internet. The only thing I can say is just mm-hmm. back yourself, back yourself in and, and yeah, trust, trust your gut and trust that you know what you need to do out of your project. That's so great. And I definitely think that you can – I can see that with yourself. You have so much confidence in yourself as an artist and as you should. It's very admirable. Um, and, yeah, that's how you get to where you are. So that's a great piece of advice. I but I, don't, it's, I know it's funny because you see it from the outside and, mm-hmm. and it's really nice that... Um, imposter that syndrome. What's that? Are you having some imposter syndrome? Oh, man, I got <laughs> imposter syndrome all day, every day. Like, And that's why my motto for the last 12 months has just been have the audacity. I love it. And that's changed. That's changed my approach to music and just being mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, I've got these loose connections here. Oh, I don't want to burden them. Oh, I don't want to be that person. Like, oh, I'm not sure. Oh, I can't message my friends to come to the show. Oh, my tickets are too <laughs> expensive. Like, no, I just had to get rid of that mindset and just be like, if you actually want to do this, you need to back yourself and you need to have the audacity. Yeah. And so it's definitely like, you know, imposter syndrome is something we all. Mm-hmm. And I still get it all the time. And like, mm-hmm. there's people that I want to work with, or I get in the studio with, or I'm comparing myself to online. Yeah. And it's also just knowing they've probably got imposter syndrome it's too, or they're the probably feeling thing. it as much as you are. So, yeah. yeah, that's so great. And it's also like, of course, people are going to take you seriously if you take yourself seriously. And if you think that you're legitimate and you are authentic, then they're going to think you're legitimate and you're authentic. So, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That, you nailed it, Tass. Like, if you take yourself seriously, people will take yourself seriously. So take yourself seriously. Take mm-hmm. your own dreams seriously. I love that. That's beautiful. That was pretty much my last question for you. And I would like to end this with the opportunity to do some self-promotion. Obviously, everyone needs to go and listen to your music. But where else can they find you? When's this going to air? Uh, whenever you want. So okay, cool. if um, you want to promote something that's coming up, like a gig or something close, feel free to go for it. Awesome. Well, Sass, one, you've just been such a beautiful, amazing, open, 
um, interviewer and thank I've just you. loved chatting with you and thank you for just, you know, showing up as yourself and giving me so much space to share my experience and artistry. That's really been such a blessing. Thank of you. Of course, that's so kind. Thank you as well. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the other thing is, um, yeah, my, my artist name is Zarita. It's spelled with an X. Check it out on Instagram, social, um, Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, wherever. Um, and yeah, we'd love to connect with you and hopefully we can build a friendship. Um, and then I've got a show coming up on October 28th at the Grace Darling Hotel. Tickets go on sale this week. So I'm just about to announce it to everyone. Yep. Um, it's gonna be a really, a really cool show. We're gonna have this bilingual element to it. I've got artists coming in from Adelaide, from Perth, um, different DJs going to be there. It's going to be a lot more than just an, a live show experience. We've got some other elements that will be there that I can't wow. tell you about. When you come, it's not going to be a standard live show. So um, it's going to be pretty special. And if you want to know what I mean, come on Saturday, <laughs> 28th of October at the Grace Darling Hotel. Everyone be there or be square. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That sounds like so much fun. Everyone has to go. Thank you so much for everything and for being so open with your responses to me. It was so fantastic to speak to you. And that wraps us up. Thanks, Sass. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks, Radio Monash. You guys are the best. See you next time. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. That's it. We're all recorded. Awesome.